You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. All right, open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. We're going to talk about this idea. It's a, it's a big idea, and I'm going to do my best to not overcomplicate it. We're going to talk about recalibrating our soul, all right? You could call it soul detox. You could call it cleaning up your soul, all right? Why does that matter? Let's just set some parameters real quick. Let's get this going, all right? This is, a lot of you have heard this before. Some of you haven't. All right. Every one of us, if you can see this, it's just three circles one inside another one. We are comprised of three parts. And this is, this is really, Romans 12, 1 and 2 allude to this idea. There's scripture that alludes to this. This isn't, my, this isn't my big point. Except to say this, is that the place that we are to be led is in our spirit. That's our inner man. What the scripture says, our inner man, our spirit. Even sometimes it's referred to in scripture as soul or your heart. But this is the place where the Holy Spirit communes with you. When you're at church, hopefully uh, you are feeling the presence of the Lord. Where you feel that is in your spirit. Um, It it can translate to your soul, to your other parts of who you are. But that's where God communes with you at. That's where you hear the Word of God when you read the Word of God. That's where you get it. That's where faith is planted. Okay, so... When you come to the Word or you hear something where it, it, it's like a seed being planted into the, the, the soil of your heart, this is where it's planted. This is where the Holy Spirit wants to communicate with you. But then we also have a big part of us that is our soul. Okay, And our soul is what the Scripture tells us, even in this Word here that we're going to read in just a minute, where it's referred to as the word mind, it's the seat of our affection. Okay, that's where we process our emotions and our, our feelings, right? You guys got feelings? Not in your mouth, but in your heart, right? You hurt my feelings, right? Um, that's, that's where this is, right? And this is based around experiences and attitudes and, and sometimes th- experiences that have happened to us. Sometimes our soul is deeply affected by, by bad experiences that have happened to us maybe when we were really young. And all of this. And so what happens, and of course this last little place is our flesh. Now here's what, if you grew up in a church that was legalistic, which Freedom Christian Fellowship is not, okay, is that you were told and you talked about this just so much. I mean, this was talked about, don't do, don't do, don't touch, don't look, don't, 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 right? And that's talking about your flesh. But here's what you, here's what you need to know about your flesh, is your flesh is just a slave, it's going to be a slave to something. It's either going to be a slave to uh, some things that are stuck in your soul that aren't healthy, or it's going to be a slave to the Spirit. Your flesh is a vehicle. It's a slave to something. That's simple. That's it. It's not necessarily bad. It's not necessarily good. It is all dependent upon what it serves. Now, the thing is this, is that we can get into a place I'm going to do my, my best. All right, gosh, I need some art. My daughter, oh, forget it. I'll just spell it out. All right, scale. I have a daughter, my middle child, Abby, just is, uh, <laughs> some bragging on her for a second. 
She's at Lamar Institute of Leadership. She's finishing up her last two high school, years of high school living at Lamar. She is um, studying. She wants to be one of those people. You ever seen anybody saw How to Train a Dragon 3? Right? Uh, all that's computer animated. She wants to do that. She's going to do that. I promise you. She's going to make a lot of money. She just entered an art competition in uh, Jefferson County, which she uh, nearly won last year in contention for winning. And I'm just telling you that because I'm a proud dad. All right? And I got the mic, so deal with it. And the fact also that I can't draw. Okay. So, and one side is our soul. One side is our spirit. We're not even getting into what I want to talk to you about today. But here's what a lot of believers do is that sometimes this gets imbalanced. Our soul and our spirit, and here's what happens when this gets imbalanced. And again, this is going to really make crystal clear sense when we read Romans 12, 1 and 2. Is that when we begin to filter more things through our soul instead of our spirit, what it does is it limits the perspective in which we see God. Basically this, we get tunnel vision when it comes to how we can hear God. Our soul is damaged. If we're dealing with insecurity, then guess what you will never hear God talk about? Sometimes the discipline that we need in our life in order for us to grow. Why? Because your soul can't handle it. Sometimes what happens in this situation too is that when our soul outbalances our spirit is that we can be really good at hearing God but we're really bad at our relationships with other people. Because we're damaged in this area. And what God wants to do is he wants to recalibrate our soul so that first, we are led by the Spirit. And second, he doesn't want us to be robots. We have not been created to be feelingless individuals, mindless people without experiences. These things all play into what we're going to talk about today, the way we empathize with people, the way we feel, the way that we love people, the way that we interact, how we react to situations. All this is super important, but it has to be led by the Spirit first. And that means this, is that sometimes God needs to heal some areas of our soul and recalibrate some of the areas of our soul, renew our mind. This is a scripture, again, in Romans 1 and 2, 12, 1 and 2, we're going to talk about this idea of renewing our mind so that we do the things that we're supposed to do, that God's called us to do. All right, so let's read Romans 12, 1 and 2 really quick. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I'm going to say one more thing about this soul area. Is that there are areas in our soul, every one of us, that have been harmed. Boom, right? We've, we've felt pain there. Maybe we have been uh, victimized, we talked about that in forgiving last week, that, that big idea and God's grace needs to come in, all these things. I want to tell you that this is, this is a crazy thought, and I'm going to throw out this big, huge thought to you that I want, I want you to catch, all right, is that even these things that we feel like have been bad experiences, when we begin to let the Holy Spirit lead us, God 
begins to recreate these, renew these, and these become a testimony of his goodness. And these testimonies begin to heal somebody else. Why? Because if you've walked through something traumatic or something has, has been affected, there's something in your soul that's been damaged or hurt, when God begins to heal you, that, that experience, listen, doesn't just go away. What happens is God heals it and renews it and uses it as a testimony. Can I just, just lay this out in plain English to you guys? Is that sometimes there are people, there are people in this church that God has used to tell their stories of when they have been victimized, where God has healed them, and as a result, that story has healed somebody else to let them know God is able. Do you see that? These things aren't bad, these things don't make you wrong. These things are not things you need to shove into a corner and say that they they, they don't exist. What has to happen is that they have to come under the authority of the Holy Spirit. If God needs to heal them, renew them, like we just read in Romans 12, 1 and 2, to renew our minds to the truth, then he will. I hope that makes sense. I want to be very clear about that because sometimes we feel like everything has to line up perfectly. But God is able even to use the broken areas of our life when they get healed by the Holy Spirit to become a testimony of his goodness. All right? Let's keep going. I hope that really made sense to you guys. If it didn't, just ignore it. All right. So let's just talk really briefly about this idea of Paul's outline here in Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is a an idea of how we recalibrate our soul, the first thing that he says is come into view of God's mercy. And what he's saying is this, is that you got to open up your perspective a little bit. Because a lot of times what happens when we walk in the pattern of this world, which is a phrase he uses here in verse 2, is that we begin again to have these blinders put on us. And we begin to frame things in the context of our reactions instead of opening up our heart to understand the mercy of God. Now, whenever Scripture talks about the mercy of God, it's something that we really need to stop and pay attention to because it points out this big picture of grace and reconnecting with the the, the truth and the depth of grace in our life. So the first thing that Paul is saying, listen, if you're going to recalibrate your soul, that you have to come back into the viewpoint of God's mercy. And this is where we see it. He's saying, listen, look through the eyes of Jesus Christ, specifically... And he brings his wording around to give us an understanding that he wants to remind us of the sacrifice that Jesus made. And the language he uses is really important because he says this, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. What he's doing is giving a reference to the sacrifice that Jesus made. Why? Because a sacrifice doesn't make sense from a personal standpoint. Even in the Old Testament, it was done through an animal, right? But when Jesus came, he offered himself as a sacrifice. And so what Paul is saying here is this, is that I want you to come under the context of mercy that can only be seen through humbling yourself and laying yourself down. So a big point to recalibrating our soul is this, is that we have to become a humble people willing to lay ourselves down. There are going to be some things in your life when it comes to recalibrating your soul that have to change. They're going to have to change. But he goes on and says this, this is your true and proper form of worship. 
Now here's where it gets exciting is because when we do this, sometimes we feel like this sacrifice is too big. But the reality is, is that this sacrifice brings joy to us as an act of worship. That it brings us fulfillment. And he comes into this big idea and he says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be renewed, transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this is what we're going to talk about today. Here's what I want to do. As I want to drop down into Romans 12, 9 through 21. And this is what a recalibrated soul looks like. We're going to talk about three areas that maybe we need to recalibrate our soul. The first is in this idea of how we deal with internally our own heart and our own soul. And then the second way is in how we, how we deal in our reactions, how we deal with other people. And then finally, I want to talk to you about a big idea, which is how we deal, how we live as a Christian community, in a, as a society, in a society. Because actually, Paul talks about this here. Because I want to tell you something, that your soul is going to be affected on each one of these areas. Your soul can be affected based upon what you believe to be true about God. What you believe to be fair, what you believe to be right. All these things can affect this. How you love God. Your soul is absolutely affected by the way uh, people interact with you and you interact with people. Most of the things that challenge your soul come in the context of other people. We call those dumb people, right? (laughs) Dumb people. But then how do we live and keep our soul calibrated in the midst of our society that, that feels odd and feels strange and feels unsafe and unbalanced? Would you believe that the Word of God talks about these things? It does. Let's dig into this really quick. Romans 12. Nine. We're going to read a chunk of scripture here. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what's evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with the people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, he will heap burning coals on his head. Bum, bum, bum. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All right. There's three things here that I want to talk about. Three ideas. Now, I want to invite you to take notes to write this down if you can. Something will pop out to you. Because we're talking about recalibrating our soul and what that looks like. So the first thing here that Paul talks about this is this internal key. And it talks about dealing with our soul on a personal level. And here's the big idea in this first little paragraph that we just read. And it comes through this thought. And here's the thought. To love sincerely. 
to love sincerely. Now, the Bible does a lot of talking about love, but what does love, godly love, look like that calibrates our soul, that brings us back into a place where we can begin to hear the Holy Spirit? Because we have to do these things. And, and, and if anything, listen, is that all of these things, both through the Spirit and the soul, that they have to be lived out to be true. And this is challenging. Is that you can't take something and receive something by faith without taking a step of faith. Do you hear me? You can say, God, I believe this. I believe it's about my future. I believe this to be true. But if you're not taking a step toward it, you're not operating in faith. You can say, God, I love and I receive your love. But unless you're taking a step toward love, it's not an operation at you in your life. And so when we talk about recalibrating our soul internally, the first thing that we see is that this picture of sincere love looks like this. Is that Paul says three things right off the bat. He says, listen, you got to love what is good. you got to cling to what is good. And you got to hate what's evil. So when it comes to calibrating our soul into the picture of love that, that God calls us to and, and, and healing our soul and lining it up with the Spirit, the first thing that we have to do is say, God, we want to be a people that cling to what is good and we hate what's evil. I know that seems like a big thought, but this is an, a definition of the idea of what it means to love sincerely. The second thing that Paul says is this, is that be devoted to one another in love. So if we're going to operate in sincere love and we're going to calibrate our soul to this, this picture of love, then what we have to do is that we have got to be able to love people that we're in community with. That means we have to begin to honor them, to value them, to see them the way that God does. Not through our natural lens, not through what Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, the pattern of this world, but we have to begin to see them through the lens of the way that Jesus sees them. That's what it means to honor. And then he goes on and says this, to give honor to others above yourself. When we talk about loving sincerely, then we have to kind of bring this into perspective and understand that there's things that are going to help us in this process when it comes to calibrating our soul to the picture of love, then we have to do some things. And Paul goes on to say this. He says, listen, if, if you're going to do these things, if you're going to cling to what's good and hate what's evil, if you're going to begin to really love people and honor people above yourself, then there's some things that you have to do. The first thing that you have to do is that you have to keep your spiritual fire burning. Is that you can't let that go out. You know what that means? Brass tacks. Is that you can't depend upon Sunday to keep your spiritual fire burning. See, you got to be in community. We, we, we give you some tools, and, and they're tools to help you. Like, like our small groups that meet midweek, that's a great way to keep your spiritual fire burning. But you need to be in the Word. That you need to spend some time with the Holy Spirit. That you need to be listening to other things. That you need to be feeding yourself and taking steps to grow. 
See, here's what's going to happen is this, is that love is not going to sincerely be in you to the place where it impacts your soul if you're not feeding yourself in the love of God. Does that make sense? All right. Keep your spiritual fire burning. This is how we do this. This is how we keep our spiritual fire burning. One of the ways is not just connecting and feeding ourselves, but as we serve the Lord. Can I tell you something? That one of the best ways to, to keep your passion for Jesus is to step into your gift and to serve somebody through your gift. As a matter of fact, when you take a little few passages, few verses back in Romans 12, it talks about this idea of these gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and he says, the scripture says, use, if you have these gifts, use these gifts. Why? Why does that make sense in the midst of this group of passage in Romans 12? Because one of the ways that we stoke the fire of God in our life is by serving somebody. Because it moves you out of yourself. I want to tell you that some of the times I felt closest to Jesus is when we went to Honduras and we began to serve these kids and these orphanages and we began to just build. Man, look, I want to tell you something. I can't build a set of Legos. And so when we go on a construction trip on a mission field, I'm about as useful as a flat tire. I'm going to be honest with you. But I do know how to carry. I know how to pick something up off the ground, lift it up, and walk it to another spot. I'm that simple. And I want to tell you something. My fulfillment and my pleasure and my fire for the Lord grew so intensely as I picked up these 50-pound bags of cement and carried them from one spot to the next. And I watched these other guys. I stirred it, right? I could stir. But I watched these, these actual guys. I knew what they were doing. Lay floors in these homes of these people on this mountainside that lived in these little shacks without floors. You get a little bit fired up, all right? But here's the thing. (laughs) These other guys were carrying two bags. No, (laughs) no. (laughs) I looked at my wife. She was there. I said, baby, I could do this. I could do this. You know what was happening? God's not calling me to Honduras. You know what was happening is that as I use my gift to serve somebody else, that the fire of the Holy Spirit began to grow inside of me because there has to come a point in your life if love is going to be sincere and your soul is going to get calibrated to the idea of love that you get out of yourself. And the only way you can get out of yourself is by using the gift God's given you to serve somebody else. I hope that makes sense. All right. Okay. There's a couple of other thoughts here, and we're going to move on to the next one. You have to stay in hope. Stay in hope. Stay in hope. If you want love to grow sincerely, and you stay in hope. And then Paul brings out this other idea here that I want to encourage you that ties into this picture of using your gift to serve. Is that he says this, the very last thing. He says, practice hospitality. Can I tell you what this word hospitality means. It's a combination of this, these two thoughts. It's like being a lighthouse in a hospital. And I want to tell you that the world that we live in is that, yes, God has made this house a place of hospitality. We welcome everybody. We don't care. 
We'll welcome you. We love you. Why? Because we know that when you encounter Jesus, you're going to be made whole. God is looking for people who open up their lives in such a manner where they say, listen, Mikasa is a place of healing. My house, my home is a place of life. My life is a place, an open place for you to come and to receive. Why is that important? Because it's a picture of of how we are different in the world. And this is a way that we calibrate ourselves and our soul back to love. When we create these opportunities in our life and say, Holy Spirit, will you begin to move in these areas to begin to cause my heart to honor other people for my gift to be used so that my fire is burning. That I become and I see my life as as a place where your hope can be felt and caught from other people. Let's move on to the next thing. Because this deals with our reactions. And sometimes this becomes the place that we get challenged the most in our soul. Because it talks about how we deal with people. And the big idea here in this passage that we read starting in Romans 12 verse 14 through 16. Talks about this. The main point is this. Is that we have to learn how to bless people. How to rejoice with people. How to live in harmony with people. And how to be on the same level as people. There's a lot of practical application in this that protects your soul that we need to hear and we need to let the Holy Spirit kind of get into us. The first thing that Paul says here is he says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. I want to give you a picture of this because this is so hard. When we read this, this is like a stretch because our natural reaction or What Paul refers to again in Romans 12, 2, is that the pattern of this world is that somebody comes up on you and they're they're cursing you. And they're saying stuff about you. They're trying to harm you. You're like, which one do you want, Tom or Jerry? You know what I'm saying? That's our natural reaction, isn't it? I got two dogs. I got a beautiful little multi-poo because I'm learning to to bless those things that curse me. My little multiple is turning into a grandpa. He's fun. He is funny, y'all. I'm really starting to really enjoy him in his latter years. But then I have a female Siberian husky. Oh, she's so beautiful. She's red and white. She's got blue eyes. She's my puppums. Oh, I love that little. Oh, I love that dog. We share ice cream together. Oh, I love her. I love her. You guys are like, you are weird. Yep. Okay. So I put him outside, and whenever, whenever I bring my multipoo in first. Now, mind you, my multipoo is this big, like just this little white furry dog, and my Siberian husky is this big. And every time, every time, I'm not kidding you, without fail, if I bring my multipoo in the house first, and then I bring my Siberian husky in, my multipoo bows up, and it's like, just, just yipping. Yipping, yipping at my husky, getting on her. And I'm thinking, you guys literally were just in the backyard together. What changed? Why are you all of a sudden so territorial? And then my husky will just take her paw and just go, shh, and put it on her head. And she just stops. Why? Because all of a sudden, my little multipoo knows that in a half a heartbeat, she would just, you know, fling her across the room. Why am I telling you this? 
I'm telling you this because here's the idea of when somebody curses you. This is what this word means. Somebody who is not, uh, has, does not have the ability to control you decides to hurl things against you in an attempt to distract you. There's a reason why God says for us to bless those people. Why? Because when we bless those people, what we're doing is that we're moving and calibrating this issue into the spirit instead of the soul. Because what the soul will do in that situation is we'll begin to mentally fight with that. Won't we? That when we hear something or somebody did something, or something went wrong, or not our way, immediately we begin to fight mental fights, or say things, or mutter things, or begin to have these ideas that float around in our soul, in our head. But when we bless, when we say, God, you're going to take care of it, I bless that person, maybe they didn't mean to say it, maybe they said it and they meant it, but I still love them, and I put them under your grace, and I bless them in the name of Jesus. What's happening is you are moving this out of a reactionary state of your soul and putting it under the authority of the Holy Spirit. Because that has no availability to affect you unless you begin to dwell on it. How often does this happen, folks? How often do we mentally fight with people? How often do we have the tendency to raise our fist or to get upset Whenever we feel like somebody is coming against us, harassing us. And in every one of those situations, we have the availability to bless them. And to put them under the authority of the grace of Jesus. How we react in these situations shows us where our soul is at. And listen, I'm just going to talk about me. I have found this area this specific area, my reaction with those people that, in whatever way, I found this to expose more areas of my soul that need to be calibrated back under the authority of the Spirit. And I say, Jesus, would you please cause me to bless those who I feel like are coming against me. All right, the next thing that he says is this, is that Paul encourages us in this idea of how we react is to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. And here's what Paul is saying is that we need to be empathetic. And this does a lot to calibrate our soul. Now I want you to stop and think that sometimes we can't do this, can we? That we can't rejoice with those who are experiencing a joyful situation and we can't mourn with those who are mourning. I feel like the Lord has, has shown me this and exposed some weakness in my heart. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be overtly vulnerable with you guys, but I want you to understand that I'm not, I really don't think I'm up here preaching at you. I'm saying like we, we all really need to do this in just all humility and all honesty, okay? But even as a pastor, I found this. And sometimes when we can't do this, here's the reality is that we, have, we discover that we're actually probably giving out more than we're receiving in. Like you're giving from a dry well. I don't know if that makes sense. But a lot of times what happens is this, is that when we can't rejoice with those who rejoice, 
whether we're jealous or we're prideful and we can't mourn with those who are brokenhearted. Like we can't, we can't relate. We sit there and we go, I don't know why they're upset. I don't get it. There's a deficiency in our soul. And sometimes that deficiency comes from a fact that we are basically burning the candle at both ends and there's nothing to pull from. And in that case, we need to get a refill from the Holy Spirit. The second reason why that doesn't happen in our life and why we need to recalibrate is because we feel like there is an unmet need in our life. If you can't rejoice when somebody you love gets a new car, when you can't rejoice when somebody you love moves into a new house, because you're jealous, because there's something going on, or you can't rejoice when God gives a promotion, you can't rejoice when God brings breakthrough in somebody's family or restores a relationship, or no matter what it is, then there may be an indication, and I say this in great grace because I know that I've been there, is that there may be a place in your life where there's an unmet need. That you've tried to resource that need from something other than Jesus, and God wants to meet that need. He wants to heal that area of your heart. I think this idea of being empathetic is so important when it comes to how we relate to one another and how we begin to operate in friendships and in the idea of community. It's so important. There are times we just simply need to cry with people. I sat in the hospital with somebody not too long ago and watched somebody as somebody that they love was was going through an impossible, felt like an impossible situation. And I'm telling you, I didn't have words to say. And all I could do is just put my arm around this man and say, I am truly, truly, truly sorry. And as he cried, my eyes began to tear up with tears. And I just said, I, I don't understand, but I'm sorry. And sometimes in our life, listen, in the idea of community, in this picture of what it means to be in relationship, sometimes we just need to exude empathy. We don't have to have answers. And a lot of times in our relationships, we get, and this is a sign of a healthy soul, somebody who is emotionally healthy, is that you don't have to just give answers away, but you can just be with somebody and be happy when they're happy and be sad when they're sad. I want to tell you something, listen, is that I'm so thankful that this is in the Scripture Because there's another idea here that that Paul talks about in line with this. And he's really just talking about being an authentic person. Being an honest person. He says this. He says, live in harmony with, with people. Live in harmony with people. That seek to be in relationship that brings about this this idea of what it means to have harmony. And he says the way that we do this is to choose not to look down on anybody. 
The way harmony happens in the body of Christ, the way harmony happens that begins to, to recalibrate our soul is this, is that when we choose not to devalue anybody, we don't look down on anybody, we don't become conceited, there's no room in the body of Christ for a hierarchy. I know this, is, I know this sounds serious and it sounds, it sounds hard and I don't want it to. Listen, I want you to receive this with grace. But in the body of Christ, when we talk about our reactions and we talk about understanding if our soul is in a healthy place or if it has to be recalibrated, this is what we have to know is that we're going to be able to tell and how we begin to react when people curse us. We're going to be able to tell on how well we relate to other people who are hurting, who are in pain, who are rejoicing. And we're going to be able to tell in the way that we honor people. If that we look down at people or if we are willing, and the scripture literally says this in this idea, being able to associate with people of low position, it means that you're willing to get your hands dirty. Because relationship is messy. When we really do life together, it's messy. It means that we're going to get down and we're going to get into people's lives. And there's going to be some things that are going to get us a little mucked up. But you know what, you know what the Scripture stresses here in this picture, and it's, it's powerful and it's beautiful, is this, is that that doesn't matter when we begin to honor that doesn't matter when we begin to honor. Jesse, come on up, man. The last thing is this. this maybe bigger picture is this. It's how we deal with our soul in the midst of living in a society that feels a little off kilter. Feels just a little bit imbalanced if we're honest we deal with a lot of emotional stress from just what we see on the news and things that we we hear opinions that are shared and yeah we we have to be careful we have to watch what we're watching and how we're responding but there is a way that we've been called to live a way that God has asked us to process the world that we live in Paul says it like this he starts off by driving this huge point. He says, don't repay anyone evil for evil. And the best way that we keep our souls healthy in a world, in a society that we live in is this, is by not being a vengeful people. This is a big idea. This is a powerful idea that requires great grace. It's by saying, God, help us to be a people that... When we see these things, when we see and we feel evil rising up, that it's not our natural instinct to repay evil for evil. Not in our words, not in our actions, not in our attitudes. It's because Paul digs in here deeply and he pulls from a couple different places in the Old Testament. And he says there's, there's some powerful things that take place when we, we choose not to repay evil for evil. He says, listen, we don't take revenge, but we leave room for God's wrath. 
He says, for it's written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. You know, when we feel like we've been wrong, that, that particular scripture, it kind of screams at us, doesn't it? To say, man, look, God, when are you going to, to bring about your wrath? There's a couple of ways I'd like you to do that. I got a couple of ideas, God, you could do. You could start by, you know, destroying this person or, you know, popping the tires in their car at least. I don't know. Listen, I know I'm joking, but, but this is what I want you to understand and see is that sometimes this is what we think about when we read the Scripture, but this is not what the Scripture is doing. What instead it's saying is this, is that we're making room for God's justice. See, God knows. He doesn't see the scales. He is the scale. And He balances and He sees And he sees your heart, he sees your brokenness, he sees what's happening against you, but he also knows the person or the thing or the entity or all these things, the system, the structure, the government that's happening, and it's not out of his control. And it's not up to you. It is not up to you to bring judgment against it. Instead, what Paul says is this. He says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, it means come to the extent of yourself to live at peace with everyone. To set in our hearts to say, God, if our souls are going to be healthy in a crazy society, then we got to take our hands off the judgment button and say, we trust you in your justice, but we want to live at peace with everybody. That means that we stop finding the bones that we got to pick with people. Instead, we say, God, would you show us honor, the way that you love and honor people, and begin to speak the gem and the gold in people. And bring them to the life of Jesus and reflect that life. And Paul goes on and references something in the Old Testament that takes us a step further. He says, listen, if your enemy is hungry, then feed him. Some of us need to pack lunches around. (laughs) So many jokes I can make that I'm not going to make. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you're going to heap burning coals on his head. You guys are like, yes! We're going to burn that sucker down! (laughs) Again, not what the Scripture says. Oh, I wish... And I know God's like, oh, let's put this in there because they're not going to know. They're going to have to dig in and find this out. They're going to think I'm burning people down. (laughs) Bring the coal, Jesus. Y'all want to sing that song? Come on. Bring the fire, bring the coal on their head. (laughs) I don't know what to do, guys. That's not what the Scripture's saying. I'm keeping it light because, really, I want to elevate my voice and I want to, like, Hit this aggressively, but I'm not going to. See, because what that's saying is this, is that God's going to bring his healing. That is a statement of healing. Is that when we choose to, to, to not just bless them, because, see, it's, it's easy to bless. It, it, it's not easy to bless, let's be honest. But blessing is saying, God, I, it's, it's verbal. It's a commitment out of, there, out of your mouth. And that, that does recalibrate your soul. But when we come up against some, somebody who has done us wrong, and we say, God, I, I'm not just going to bless them, but I'm going to go and I'm going to feed them if they're hungry. 
I'm going to give them something to drink if they're thirsty. Because what I'm doing is I'm displaying the grace that you gave me when I was your enemy. That you extended the fullness of yourself to me while I hated you. And you pursued me. And God, the fire of who you are came and consumed my sin and healed me. And Lord, would you let me be grace to somebody that I don't agree with, that maybe I feel like is doing something that is evil, but instead of repaying evil for evil, I'm going to let your grace flow. And I'm going to be the reflection of Jesus Christ. See, this is what happens when we choose to do this is that we begin to live differently, but it takes a recalibration of our soul because we might have to think differently. We might have to have our mind renewed to something. We might have to humble ourselves and let go. And the way we do it just simply goes back to Romans 12.1. And it just simply says this, that you got to come in contact with the mercy of God and you got to humble yourself and you got to come and understand that the greatest thing that you're going to do and you're going to live for is to be a pleasing act of worship to Jesus Christ on this earth. That is the greatest level of fulfillment. And if we have trouble with that, we fall on grace and we say, Jesus, would you bring your grace, would you help us? Would you heal us? Would you begin to light the fire of the Holy Spirit in us again? Would you help us to bless people who curse us? Would you help us to be empathetic? Would you help us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn? Would you help us to honor and respect God in our society? Would you please Calibrate our soul to the truth of who you are, that you've caused us to be a blessing, God, and that we don't have to fight these battles, but God, you hold the scale, you are the scale. And that you will right the wrongs, but you ask us to stay in your grace. So help us, Holy Spirit, to do that. Let us again connect into the view of mercy. Take the blinders off of our eyes. And we humble our hearts to the truth of who you are, Jesus. I'm going to pray for you. Father, this morning, Lord, I know that there are people, and I myself am a person, God, who my, there's parts of my attitude, there's parts of my life that have been held up in my soul. That, God, I've been reactionary. That I've needed my soul to be recalibrated to the truth of, God, what you're saying. And I pray, Holy Spirit, for us in that spot that you would give us eyes to see the mercy of God. God, I pray for those who are hurt in an area of their soul, that, Lord, you would come. And, Lord, in your grace, begin to release healing, to heal wounds. God, those who need just a, a fresh touch of your of Holy Spirit, of your power, that you would come and that you would just give fresh a fresh baptism of power and of grace in our life. 
God, that You would give us the ability to see people in the grace that You give them, Father, that You've extended to them, that our eyes would be open to that, that we would view people through that mercy, God, that we'd view our life through that mercy, God, that we would extend ourselves, Lord, in, in, in the area of our gift, God, to, to use, Father, to serve others, Lord, that our lives would truly be an acri- a sacrifice of worship, God, to You. Lord, I thank You. I thank You, Lord, for Your great grace. In Jesus' name, Amen.